0: Hi, I'm Jen White, and this is Reset. It's Friday, and that means it's time for our Friday News Roundup, when we break down the week's top Chicago and Illinois news stories.
1: Aldermen are refusing to delay the new pot laws from taking effect in the
0: new year. After hours of heated debate and procedural maneuvering, Mayor Lightfoot, with help from black allies, defeated the push for a delay. 19 aldermen voted for it, 29 against it. If we can't stand for equity for black people, we don't need a black caucus. And as of today, David Moore is not in the black caucus.
2: We all support the notion that we must have equity. It's what I ran on, it's what I talk about in virtually every time
0: that I make a public statement. Joining me now to discuss this story and more are A.D. Quigg, government and politics reporter at Crane Chicago Business, WBEZ City Hall reporter Claudia Morrell, and Chicago Tribune reporter Lolly Boeing. Happy Friday, everybody. Happy Friday. Happy guys? Friday. Okay, so let... <laughs> Lolly just said <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> that's, that's affirmation. Okay, I'll take it. Well, let's start with this big news story, Mayor Lori Lightfoot blocked an attempt from the City Council's Black Caucus to delay legal recreational pot sales in the city for six months. The ordinance failed to pass in a 29 to 19 vote on Wednesday. Aidy, just walk us through what happened.
2: So this was the closest vote so far of Mayor Lightfoot's tenure, and this is something that has been closely watched in every city, every county, and statewide for more than years. We've been debating what's going to happen with cannabis sales in the city. Uh, Black Caucus Chair Alderman Jason Irvin, has been raising the alarm about a lack of black ownership in the existing 11 medical dispensaries that on January 1st basically get to flip over and start selling recreationally and also open up an additional 11 dispensaries. Um, and he said the way to to right that wrong was to hit pause for six months and figure out ways that the city could help black entrepreneurs. The mayor said, you know, the way to help is not to delay, and delaying is not uh, an, an effective way to bring equity to this program, so this was a close vote up until the last minute. Uh, it, it it passed in zoning committee, which almost never happens. You never see an item pass in committee that the mayor doesn't want. Ten to nine, right? Ten to nine mm-hmm. in zoning committee, and the night before the vote. Alderman Jason Irvin said he was confident he had 26, and that turned out to be not the case, but it was a, a surprising and close vote.
0: I mean, and Lillie, uh, the mayor's floor leader, Alderman Gilbert Viegas of the 36th Ward, predicted that the Black Cau- uh, Caucus had the vote in the full council. What happened overnight? Um, well, again, Irvin was pretty confident that
1: he had won the support. Um, but when it came down to it, there were, it seems, some promises made that there was going to be uh, two extra dispensaries open in Hyde Park. And these were promises that came from the state, from the governor's office, and that there would be another dispensary opened in Hyde Park, and that maybe that could provide some equity. Maybe that could provide um, some of the justice that some of these uh, city council members
0: were looking for. Now, Alderman David Moore of the 17th said he would leave the Black Caucus if they didn't stand united on this issue. He followed up on that retort after the ordinance failed to pass. And here's a little bit of him speaking about it after the meeting. That's between them and their residents. That's my message to them. I don't need to be going to meetings. I need to be going to meetings to fight for our constituents. And that did not happen today. Claudia, what does this mean
3: for the Black Caucus and their relationship with the mayor? So... The Black Caucus has always been um, an interesting group of aldermen. Um, Right now it's uh, 20 members, but, you know, they are a very diverse group. Uh, On one side you have uh, someone like Jeanette Taylor of Woodlawn, who is, uh, you know, very progressive and very much, you know, I came here to be an advocate for my residents. And you have members like Walter Burnett, who is constantly there to make deals. And um, the Black Caucus has not always been on a very united front. And so it was interesting to see. I was interested to see on Wednesday, you know, if they were going to stand together and um, and work to 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 get this delay through. And and it turned out that, you know, um, there were rumors that they got calls from the legislative black caucus in uh, Springfield, who said that, you know, we wrote this legislation and we know that there is social equity built into it. And, you know, that that there were some concessions made. And so uh, uh, Black Caucus Chairman Jason Irvin was talking about uh, bringing this back up and saying that, you know, he still wants to delay legal weed sales. You know, I don't know how he's going to be able to do that if the rest of the state is going to be making it legal uh, January 1st, that, you know, you can't make something legal and then yank it back. Um, But... You know, it'll be interesting to see. Um, Mayor Lori Lightfoot has been very clear about, you know, she wants to do things her way. And um, it'll be interesting to see if if Black Caucus members, you know, rely on or trust her to to bring so, social equity uh, interests into the, the marijuana industry through, you know, her promises to create these co-ops for cultivation. Uh, she's been trying to push this idea that, you know, uh, minorities can still make uh, money in this business uh, through pot adjacent businesses, so like smoke shops mm-hmm. and such. Well, Lala, your your thoughts? Yeah, yeah.
0: I wanted to chime
1: in a little bit because, um, as we all know, the African American community and the African American experience is not a monolith. Mm-hmm. And so, I think if anything shows that, it's this so called division between the Black Caucus. Right? Is that each member approaches their job and approaches politics in a different way? And so, you do have an alderman like Walter Burnett who says, you know what? I'm going to take advantage of this. And one of the things that he emphasized is that I want to bring something home to my ward. Something is better than nothing. Um, but then you had very strong uh, opposition to that with uh alderman like Sophia King, who said essentially all we're giving black citizens is an amnesty get out of jail free card, but they don't get to pass go. They don't get to collect $200. And that's not equity. That's not justice. And that's not fair. I think we also need to just take a moment and kind of Uh, Take a step back and explain why the black caucus is so um, enraged and emotional about this issue. And that's because the first rollout of marijuana licenses for recreational sales has already gone to auction and all of the sellers will be white. And so that's part of what has driven the um, passion from an alderman like Jason Irvin is being in that lottery room and seeing just the makeup in a city that is majority black, majority brown, a, a courthouse, a jail that is majority black and majority brown as a result of marijuana charges. And wanting to just put a pause and have everyone start the race at the same
0: time in May. Well, A.D., you know, it's interesting because Mayor Lightfoot denied the tension during the council meeting uh, that it was reminiscent of the council wars after Harold Washington was elected as the city's first black mayor. But this was, as you said, the closest vote in her years so far. And we've seen already from the budget vote that when council people vote against Mayor Lightfoot's agenda, that there's potentially, you know, some pushback from her political arm. And I'm curious what you think about what this means for the relationship between the mayor and city council members who don't line up with her agenda.
2: Yeah, it's an interesting one. That that budget website you referred to, uh, basically named and shamed folks that, that voted against her budget in a pretty blanket way that didn't get into the nuances of why folks voted against the budget. Um, there were a lot of progressive aldermen who voted against it because they said it didn't go far enough on their progressive um, ideals. It didn't reopen city mental health clinics. It spent too much on the Chicago Police Department. Um, and it also. she also said that they didn't offer any alternatives. They said, that's not true. We gave you maybe in excess of a billion dollars of revenue ideas. Um, this is something Claudia and I talked about a lot. Um, this is not like council wars back in the 80s. Council wars back in the 80s was white people using... Race as a way to divide the council and win. Um, this is not this is not the same kind of standard. But Claudia and I talk a lot about how council gets organized. It's a very ideologically diverse council. Mm-hmm. We have socialists, we have democratic regulars, and we have people <laughs> like Claudia said who are who are in it to make deals for their own constituents and 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 get a win where they can. Um, this is this is making. And I was talking to a lobbyist this week about how different the atmosphere is. Mm-hmm. And lobbyists are like, we're doing great because it's chaos. And we we can tell people how each how to manage each relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just it's very unpredictable. And it'll be interesting to see. I know Alderman Raymond Lopez made a pitch that the, Lat- the Latino and Black Blackhawks is, should stick together, particularly, mar- particularly on the marijuana issue. Because they have a shared interest in gaining ownership, um, whether he manages to pull that organization off will be very interesting.
0: Well, A.D., there was also a lot of commotion at city council around what you refer to as, as bump gate. Bump gate. Uh, here's Alderman Walter Burnett.
1: One of the media people just printed out that myself and Kerry Austin said the
0: F, F you were." I That's said bump. I said bump you. I do not curse. I said bump you. AD, what happened? Why did this kind of blow
2: up? He did say bump. Uh, I went back and watched the tape, but it, you know, it was a heated debate. Um, Alderman Burnett had someone yelling at him, calling him a sellout. And as uh, Sergeant Armstaff were were escorting them out, he said, bump them, bump them. But in the press box, we're about 10 feet away from Burnett, terrible microphones in city council. We all turned to each other and said, did he say the F word? Did he say the F word? Um, and we a lot of people tweeted out there was confusion. Everyone had to kind of go back and watch the tape. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot ultimately defended him and said, this is a colloquial black term. Everybody calm down. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I have to record, admit, yeah.
1: I was one of the people who also tweeted out that he said the F word. Um I I was sitting with the audience uh, and I was actually seated next to the person who got escorted out um by security and the echo and the the way that it sounded in the chambers also sounded like the f word um, but I did tweet out a correction that he said that he said bump you so
3: well, yeah, and and even the person who was um typing up the minutes through the live feed it said the f word yeah. on the transcript <laughs> That's right it tripped up everybody
0: Yeah well as a as a black woman of a certain age I will say I have said bump you on occasion <laughs> I want to touch on a couple of other city stories before we move on to other news. Um, Claudia, city council approved a ban on alderman lobbying on Wednesday. This is the second round
3: of ethics reforms approved since Lightfoot took office. What does the ban include? So it's a pretty significant uh, piece of ethics uh, legislation and it essentially says that if you are an alderman, you cannot go to another government body, say Cook County or uh, Springfield, uh, with your you know side job as a consultant or um, uh, where you would have uh, some kind of lot where you would be doing lobbying. And so if you're an alderman, you cannot moonlight as a consultant or lobbyist in another government agency. And at the same time, other... Uh, government elected officials can't do the same in Chicago. And the issue kind of came about because of all of the federal investigation that's been going on around ComEd. Uh, Even the mayor's floor leader, Gilbert Villegas, uh, was kind of caught into it because he had, you know, this side company uh, that was a consulting firm that was, you know, doing work with ComEd. And it was interesting when it was in committee because uh, Alderman. Uh, Matt O'Shea of Beverly who's you know a very quiet guy um, he flipped out uh, when some aldermen were uh, you know there's some last minute yeah. opposition there was some last minute opposition from someone like Burnett who was like well what about these village trustees and these smaller you know suburban guys that are only part-time legislators and you know they need this other sort of income and you know like that you know everything is an elected position you know even dog catcher you have to run for election and And Matt O'Shea was like, no, the feds are swarming. Things are ridiculous. We need to do this because things aren't right. And, you know, it, it, it. Sounds a bit convoluted, the law, but it will be a significant step towards, you know, a lot of the ethics uh, goals that the mayor had laid out uh, when she was first elected.
0: Well, and Lolly, I wonder if if these investigations by the feds and and gosh, it's hard to keep count of (laughs) what's been happening in Springfield, in Chicago. But has this really created an opportunity for Mayor Lightfoot to push through these ethics reforms she talked about on the campaign trail because there is pressure to, to clean things up? I think yes and no. Um Lightfoot was under
1: pressure. Uh, well, one, she has kind of come in and said early on that she wanted to do some ethics reform, and she's had the people of Chicago behind her on that. Um, I think for too long, residents and voters have wondered who is actually representing their interests or who some of our elected officials are actually representing. And as you start to dig into the money and start digging into who is paying who, then you raise an even bigger question. Um, yes, there is a lot of, um, activity by the FBI. (laughs) Um, but we have not seen as many charges. Mm -hmm. We have not seen as many court cases. We have not seen arrests. So we, yeah, we see paperwork getting carted from office to office. Um, and not to say that that's not threatening. I definitely don't want anybody to come to my office and take boxes of paperwork away. Right. Mm -hmm. But, um, it's not enough to really, uh, stomp out the uh the ethics abuses or the appearance of ethics abuses, and that's why
2: we have this ordinance in this law. Right. The key charge we did see was against state representative Louis Arroyo, who was charged with bribery, um, and was registered to lobby City Hall on a gambling issue. And there are about six other, according to the Board of Ethics, separately elected officials who come to Chicago to lobby on their issues, which creates a conflict. What if you have to deal with that issue down in Springfield? Are you going to be acting on behalf of your constituents or on behalf of your client? Mm-hmm. Well, let's
0: turn to some other city news. Mayor Lightfoot says she's making good on her promise that big develops, developments in the city, uh, like the 78 and Lincoln Yards, will get robust resident involvement.
2: A.D., talk about this. So... This was one of the biggest fights of Mar- the end of Mayor Emanuel's term and the beginning of Lori Lightfoot's transition over um, the fate of Lincoln Yards and the 78. Lincoln Yards is, of course, in uh, Lincoln Park, multi billion dollar developments that, that promise to remake two major neighborhoods. Um, the 78 is on just around Chinatown, what we used to call Rescoville, but the 78 seems to be taking over as the popular name. Um, And both were controversial because they called for a lot of city help. So the city's going to give over hundreds of millions of dollars for infrastructure improvements that these developers, Sterling Bay and Related Midwest, promise. Um, This became a bone of contention in the CTU strike because they said this was a sign of how the city chooses to spend its money. They're saying, we need a couple more hundred million dollars to provide staff at CPS. You're more than willing to give it to billionaire developers, but not to us. So mayor Lori. Lightfoot um, kind of gave it a pass on her way in. This was one of the last things Rahm Emanuel did, but she said, put out a warning to big developers, if you're going to remake these neighborhoods, you're going to face robust community development. So yesterday, she announced there will be community advisory councils that she and the local aldermen will select to kind of advise um, the construction as they go through on open parkland and how streets will work um, and other things. It They won't be binding, and it will be very interesting and important to see who is actually picked to serve on these boards, but it's an interesting New move, and I'm excited to see how it works out.
0: Well, Lightfoot also announced a roadmap to expand the city's mental health framework that builds off a plan um, that was uh, announced in October. Claudia, what's included in this strategy?
3: So, a lot of this is to appease uh, a very vocal group of aldermen in the city council who have uh, who were elected on and who have been vocal vocal supporters of reopening the city's mental health clinics and the mayor and her appointed uh, chief of public health uh who still has yet to be confirmed by the city council over this issue um, have made it pretty clear that, you know, they are not going to be reopening these clinics. And so this is kind of a way where she is lending an olive branch by saying, you know, we're going to help those that need it the most. So a lot of uh, what she had announced is for emergency services. So CIT training for Chicago police officers, which I also believe is part of the federal consent decree. CIT over, training? Mm-hmm. To, um, so that um you know when someone does a nine one one call to make sure that they have a um a, a mental health assessment or someone who is trained in mental health assessments show up, and that um what else that so yeah, a lot of it has to do with uh, emergency services nine one one three one one calls where you know someone needs immediate help, and it doesn't really go into the issue of like the day to day person who may want to you know see a psychiatrist or a psychologist uh to get a mental health evaluation. So
0: and it also includes city by trauma response strategy and um, creating a first of its kind victim services coordinator. And you're talking about crisis intervention training. That's the CIT training there. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of uh, Chicago police, interim Chicago police superintendent Charlie Beck is getting pushback from local pastors on ending merit promotions less than a week after he made the announcement. And here's a bit of them talking about that meeting with Beck. The fact that he's only here as an interim and use this occasion to say that the marriage system does not work is not good enough for us. We're hoping that the superintendent
3: knows that we're partners in helping Chicago become a safer place to live. The next police chief must be a person who is committed to diversity Mm -hmm. and has a plan and a strategy for making the police department reflect the racial demographics Mm -hmm. of our city.
0: Lolly, talk a little bit more about how the interim superintendent is being received. Um, You know, so it's interesting because I've seen
1: stories about Beck going out into the community. I believe he was over in Chatham on King Drive over the weekend uh, doing some Christmas decorating. Um, So he's doing some outreach along with the mayor to become more integrated into the Chicago community. But I think that because there's this history here, and that's what these West Side pastors are referring to, because there is a history of um, racial division and of African Americans and Latino officers not being promoted at the same level that their white counterparts are, they want to make sure that whoever is in charge, back for the moment, and whoever comes in as the next superintendent, uh, is fair and make sure that there is equity within the police department. Um, We've had a a kind of rough go with the police and the community relations here, and so I think that their push, uh, these pastors is who I'm referring to, their push is to try to make sure that when residents of Chicago encounter police that they see police that look like them that come from their neighborhoods and understand
2: their walk of life. A.D., any updates on the search for the next superintendent? So there's an open process that the Chicago Police Board is running. They're accepting applications uh, for quite a while. I think it goes through mid-January. They'll sort through all of those, um, make that as open as possible. They've held a few community meetings to invite input on who folks would like to see. Uh, In the end, they will submit three choices to Mayor Lightfoot, and she will submit her one choice to the City Council. Um, Merit pay is something that started under Mayor Daley in order to bring more diversity to the ranks. It has not worked. Uh, The Chicago Police Department is one of the last in the country to continue to use merit pay. Uh, Beck comes from LA where they, (laughs) I think the Tribune interviewed someone in LA who was like, we've never even heard of a merit pay promotion. Mm -hmm. So one of the changes that he can make is making it more consistent, making the expectations clear, and holding it on, on a regular basis so as many folks as possible can know what to expect when they take it. So
0: I want to turn to news coming from Cook County. Yesterday, the Cook County Board held its final meeting of the year and proposed a 3% pot tax on all marijuana sales in the county. Here's Board President Tony Preckwinkle. Putting my personal cannabis views aside, for years I've been a supporter of legalization. For generations, the war on drugs has devastated lives, families, and communities. We see the impact and consequences of those misguided and racist policies from our criminal justice system to our health care system. Lolly, what else do we know about the proposed pot tax?
1: Um, well, we know that the county is budgeting very conservatively. They don't expect to collect but less than a million dollars um, next year, which uh, kind of raises the question of how much money is going to be made by our city and our county overall as this um, marijuana recreational sales become legal. Um, but it also uh, lands <laughs> the question of how much is pot actually going to cost? Mm-hmm. At least that question comes from me, right, um, that once you <laughs> add the city, the city state and the um, county tax on yeah, top and of the regular sales taxes yeah. too on top. Yeah, yeah. how, is, yeah, how much heist. is this going to cost? Hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, so uh, the county did not vote on their uh, proposed 3% tax. Uh, they, are, they punted it to committee and they'll come back to it next year. But uh, this tax is not going to be controversial like the soda tax, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this tax is going to be one that it will probably soar through um, because Every government agency, every municipality is trying to get their piece of the, the pot
0: pool right. of money. Well, the board is also proposing uh, to establish an 11-member commission to examine how the new industry will affect the region. AD, quickly give us the details on that.
2: So this will be a commission that is made up of Cook County commissioners from uh, certain committees that are relevant to cannabis in some way or another, along with county officials, and they're going to engage with stakeholders and experts to figure out um, what they should spend this money on once it comes in. Um, if this if this tax passes, it won't start being applied until July 1st. And because of the way the state uh, disperses money, they won't get to see it until kind of the last two months of the 2020 fiscal year. So unlike Chicago, which had this big, huge blow up over the future of um, equity, the county's kind of taking a little bit slower and saying, we're going to put together a commission and figure out exactly how we want to spend this money. We saw a really interesting debate in Evanston where they said, we're going to take all of our marijuana revenues and use it for a local reparations fund. I'll be interested to see if the county pursues something similar like that.
0: Well, now, Park week also had to face several county scandals at, at the meeting. Um, the Cook County Commissioner was there for the first time since the FBI raided his office in September. Uh, there was also a report out this week that federal investigators are looking into former Cook County Assessor Joe Berrios' political funds and assessments. 80 practical
2: addresses at all. Yes, she gave her her usual answer, which is an interesting one when you compare it to what uh, the governor and the mayor has said, which is innocent until proven guilty. She says this is a standard that we apply to the black and brown men that churn through our Cook County criminal justice system. And regardless of how big these scandals seem or rumor or innuendo, we should extend that same courtesy to public officials. Um, she has said this for months now as <laughs> For the past year of these scandals going as the head of the Cook County Democratic Party, people turned to her a lot and say, is this a crisis? Is this how can we confront this? What should we do? Should these folks step down immediately? She the one thing she did do with Commissioner Jeff Tobolsky, who is the mayor of Suburban McCook, which got raided at the end of September, was ask him to step down from his committee chairmanships. But it wasn't necessarily because he was raided. It was because he was missing so many meetings that Mm. she thought he wasn't doing an effective job.
0: Well, before we let you go, this is our last Friday News Roundup of the year. So really quickly, I just want to hear what the most memorable story was for you. The story, oh, AD just gave me a look, that you reported (laughs) on this year uh, and what you'll be keeping an eye on in 2020. Claudia?
3: Um, Mine would probably be the one with uh, the deal with the Cook County Land Bank and Kerry Austin's Chief of Staff, Chester Wilson, and how he used the land bank to clear his property tax debt on a property in Pullman. It was nearly $200,000 that he owed on it. And so... Me and uh, Dan are looking into that and we will be continuing in 2020.
1: Lolly, real quick. Oh, goodness. Um, there's so many, but you know what? I'm going to go for the weed right now because that's what we've been talking about for so long. So I'm interested to see how all this is going to play out in 2020, um, what it's going to mean uh, for health outcomes, what it's going to mean for economic outcomes and
2: social outcomes. A you get the last word here. Start of the Lightfoot administration. It's been a fun ride so far. I feel like the next three and a half years will only get more interesting.
0: That's it for today's Reset. You can stay connected to the show on Facebook and Twitter. We're at WBEZ Reset, and I'm at Jay White Pub Radio. You can also leave us a voicemail at 888-915-9945. That's 888-915-9945. If you have an idea about a segment or a story you want us to explore on the show, we'd love to hear from you. But that's it for today. I'm Jen White. Have a great weekend. Thanks for listening, and let's talk again soon.